Hello, I'm Ray, back with another podcast episode for you. Uh, time to do some emails again. I did one, uh, was it earlier? Last year, early last year or last summer. I collect emails together as people send them in, just the interesting ones. Not that they're not all interesting, you understand. Obviously, I, I read them all and I do reply to them all. But some are more interesting than others. Now, I've upset some people, haven't I? Because if you don't hear your email read out now, you'll be saying, oh, mine's not interesting then. No, you know what I mean. I have actually had over the last, well, since last summer, I've had hundreds. And it really is difficult. I couldn't read them all out. I'd be here all day. Right, let's start with Jackie. She's in West Sussex, same as me. And she <laughs> she says, have you met Keith Richards? Uh, I haven't, Jackie. I know why you're asking. Well, I've read your email, so I know why. She says, Keith doesn't live far away from you. I know, he's not far from me at all. I've never met him. And she says, have you been to see where he lives? Have you been to see his house? No, I haven't. To be honest, Jackie, I'm not interested. She goes, <laughs> She goes on to say, do you think he is in lockdown? What do you think he does all day? I don't know. I've not ever... I mean, I am a big Rolling Stones fan. I love the Stones. And I would like to meet Keith and Mick Jagger, of course. I'd love to meet them. I'd like to say, you know, what do you really think about things? What are your political views? You know, be honest. But um, I'm not a, a kind of celebrity chaser, Jackie. I, you don't say whether you've met him. You say you're in West Sussex as well. If I bumped into Keith, I suppose, in a shop somewhere, you know, I'd probably say, oh, Keith Richard, yeah, brilliant, you know, my man. I'd probably say that and hopefully shake his hand. <laughs> he probably wouldn't want to know me, but a friend of mine, he collects autographs. And, you know, during his life, he's been all over the country, well, and abroad, collecting autographs. I wouldn't, I couldn't be bothered. Could you be bothered to do that? A little book full of scribbles. Um, I, I just, it's just not my thing. I'm not interested really in celebrities but I wouldn't mind having a chat with Keith and Mick the Glimmer twins talking of celebrities I don't watch game shows but there's one that uh, my wife likes it's pointless no the show isn't pointless <laughs> it's called pointless Alexander Armstrong and Richard Osmond is it they they host the thing and sometimes they have celebrity editions okay and <laughs> They're introducing these celebrities and there are what? I think there are eight people altogether. I've never heard of any of them. They'll say, oh, this is so-and-so, uh, famous from whatever soap opera. I think, what? Who's that? Never heard of her. Then they go on to someone else and this is so-and-so from whatever TV pro. I've never heard of him. I don't know what it is. Perhaps it's just me. I just haven't heard of any of these celebrities. Perhaps I've led a sheltered life. Mind you, Mrs Fortescue so many of you have said, can we hear more about Mrs Fortescue? Do you remember her from the, uh, which um, episode was it I did, about the village council, the parish council, and secrets of a, a village, wasn't it, or something? Mrs Fortescue. Anyway, I have made a note of it. To all those that have asked for more about her, I haven't forgotten. Also, several people have suggested a private podcast episode not a kind of public one I'm not sure how I would do that actually a private one a private episode about Mrs Fortescue and her exploits I suppose is the best way to put that okay let's move on Brian says about lockdown it's all very well for people to rant and rave on the radio people should stay indoors blah 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 you don't need to go out and if you do need to go out 
go and sit in the garden. And he says, I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, Brian, a lot of people don't have a garden. Do you know, between houses, my wife and I stayed in a very small flat. We just rented a, a very small flat, only for a few months, while we were between houses. And it was in the summertime, midsummer, beautiful weather. And we're stuck in this flat. There was no garden, no communal garden. The building, you could step out of the building onto the street, onto the pavement. There wasn't a park anywhere nearby. It was in the town. And that was when I first realised what it was like actually to live in a flat where there was not even a balcony, where there was no escape from your home. You either go out for a walk downtown or walk out of town to a park, or you're stuck in your flat. All you could do is open a window. And that really did hit home. Uh, it was a lovely flat. Yeah, we were very happy there. But being midsummer, we did feel rather, not claustrophobic, but trapped, I suppose. And I think this, as Brian's saying, all very well people saying, well, you know, go and sit in your garden, go and mow the lawn or something. Yes, what if you haven't got a lawn? Very good point, Brian. And especially, of course, if you're in a flat, say a smallish flat, and you've got a couple of children. Now, you know what kids are like. You know, they're going to squabble, aren't they? They're going to get bored. You can't stick them in front of the TV all day, every day. They just, they want to go out. They want to kick a ball around. They want to play. And with no garden, it, it must be a nightmare for a lot of parents. Got my list of emails here. Uh, I hope I pronounce this correctly. Uh, Werner, W-E-N-E-R, is it Werner? Werner from Oslo in Norway. And he says, I wanted to comment on the length of episodes. Please make them longer. Well, there we <laughs> There we are. You're not alone, Werner. Uh, a lot of people want them longer. And uh, I'm just going through my list here. Uh, another one. Oh, this is Stan. Uh, I think the length uh, is good. Running it for, say, 60 minutes would not be a problem. Righto, Stan. You want <laughs> Everyone wants these longer episodes. Oh, we're back to Mrs Fortescue here. Uh, who's oh that's that's Stan again yeah Mrs Fortescue <laughs> she's very popular isn't she Mrs well she was then she was very popular in the village uh, especially with the young men well and the older men actually right let's move on with these emails Julie where are you Canada Toronto oh hello Julie nice to hear from you from Toronto what's this say oh WhatsApp yes I mentioned WhatsApp that's right Julie on last week's episode she says we've got WhatsApp uh, a lot of people have, because uh, I was saying that it's it's quite rare, I think, but it's not. Apparently, a lot of people have got WhatsApp in their street, you know, where they, they sort of get a community thing going. And Julie says, why <laughs> why is it there's always one, I can't read that out, Julie, uh, one person, I shall say, that has to be in charge. They have to take control. She says there's a 50, uh, 55 people in our street on WhatsApp, and we all keep an eye out for each other. It works really well. But there's one person, one lady, who is in charge, or she thinks she is. She arranges things. She'll put up on WhatsApp, right, seven o'clock this evening, we're all doing so-and-so. We're going to do this, or we're going to do that. And she said the trouble is, a lot of the people, they just follow her like sheep. Julie says that she is a <laughs> black sheep. Right, OK, you're controversial. I guess what you've put here, you're controversial. Right. No, I do know what you mean. It's the same with amateur radio. You know, we have these sort of uh, chats at a certain time each day on a certain frequency. There's a whole group of us. And you find there's usually one that wants to take over. 
Um, I mean, it's not so much in our group, but on other groups I've listened to. There's always one in charge. Right, I'm in control. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But anyway, nice to hear from you, Julie. And it's good that you've got WhatsApp. In fact, several other people have said that they have in their neighbourhood, they've got WhatsApp groups set up, which is good. OK, uh, David. Hello, David. Oh, you live in France. Excellent. Have you had a jab yet? I haven't. No, I've not been offered the jab uh, yet, the um, the vaccine. I tell you what, though, David, my mother, she was told, don't answer the phone. You, know, you, you get a phone call. It's going to be a scam. If someone's saying, right, we can offer you the vaccine, just hang up. So she did. She got this phone call. We can offer you the vaccine. And she hung up, which was good. That's the right thing to do. The only trouble was it was her actual doctor, <laughs> the surgery that had phoned her. And it was genuine. So all the other people where she lives, they'd all got the phone call. They all went off to get their jab. And she's, <laughs> she's it's not funny, really. She's left there thinking, oh, what should I do now? And she can't contact the, the doctor's surgery. But anyway, I think it's being dealt with. These scams, though, they are awful, aren't they? People trying to make money out of other people's misery or worry. You know, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know what's happened to the world. I've been watching David Attenborough recently. Did I mention this before last week? I can't remember. doesn't matter if I did. I can be repetitive. I'm allowed to because I'm old. <laughs> I'm not that old. He was looking at uh, the beginnings of life, uh, going back, oh, I don't know, millions of years, when it was just kind of fish in the sea and then they crawl out of the sea and they become land animals. It was quite an interesting programme. And I thought then, just imagine the planet without human beings. It would be a fantastic place, wouldn't it? You know, no pollution, no buildings, no concrete all over the place, no cars. <laughs> I don't know. It would be fascinating to go back and, I don't know, to see what it's like. Well, we can't do that anyway. Let's move on. Email from Mike. Hello, Mike. He says, <laughs> your podcast episodes are all boring. Right, oh, Mike. Well, thanks for your input. No, he goes on to say, Oh, I see. He's listed out a load here. Uh, the oh, the village one I mentioned earlier. He said, that's boring. Uh, one I did about doctors and hospitals. He said, uh, none of that's true. <laughs> Mike, by the look of it, of your list here, by the look of your list, you've listened to every single podcast I've done, which is well over 70 episodes. So if they were that boring, why do you keep listening to them? And at the end, Mike, you've put, looking forward to the next episode. OK, <laughs> thanks for your input, Mike. That's great. Another one here says it's frosty. No name on that one. It's frosty. I'm not sure what that means. Probably the weather. Have you ever done that? Emails. I've done that. You start writing an email to someone, you're halfway through the first sentence and accidentally hit send and you think, oh, damn, it's gone. You can't kind of get it back and it's gone off. <laughs> and the person's going to get it. Hi, Fred. What do you think about and that's it. It ends there. I've done that in the past. Oh, now this is a nice email from Colleen in Ireland. Hello, Colleen. You write about uh, the people in your street. Do you remember the episode I did last week, you know, about the people living alone and being stuck indoors? Older people, they can't get out. Colleen's put here, uh, after listening to your episode last week, I went round all my neighbours. I knocked on all the doors. And she, oh, she does go on to say that she wore, wore a mask, you know, and she stood back two metres and all this, did it all properly. And she said, I found three people in my road. She'd never met them before, but they live on their own and they were so pleased to see her. 
uh, they had said to her apparently that they didn't know any neighbours, they didn't know anyone in the street, although they, they'd lived there most of their lives. And she has become friendly with them, and she pops around these three people, and two of them, <laughs> would you believe, two of them live next door to each other. So they've now become friends, and what they do is, when the weather's permitting, of course, they go and sit out in their back gardens near the fence and have a chat. So well done, Colleen, that is brilliant. Now that's what it's all about, isn't it? all the neighbourly thing and the community spirit getting together. My first girlfriend was called Colleen. Uh, I met her at school. We were about, uh, what, eight, nine, ten, I think it must have been about ten years old. <laughs> My first ever girlfriend. I took her home to tea. Do you remember that? You know, primary or junior school or whatever it's called. Um, I don't know what it's, what's it called in America? There's high, is it lowest? I don't know. But, you know, kids of kind of ten years old. You take other kids home for tea. I remember doing that with this Colleen. No one ever told their mothers or arranged anything. You know, you just take some stray child home from school and say, oh, we've come to tea. And I remember taking Colleen home. I met her actually later in life uh, during my teens. And I got to know her a lot better then. But that's along the lines of Mrs Fortescue, so I won't go into that. But uh, yeah, lovely name though, Colleen. I've just looked out of the window to see what the weather's doing, and it's raining. It's pouring with rain. It has been for the last three days, actually. The reason I looked out to see what it's doing is because email from Alan in California. Hello, Alan. He says, is it true that it's always raining in England? Um, no, not really, Alan. It's not always raining. They say Manchester. Yeah, you're right. He's put here Manchester. It does seem to rain in, <laughs> in Manchester all the time. Uh, I, I don't know. I've only been to Manchester a couple of times and I must I have to admit the two occasions I went to Manchester, it was raining uh, because someone made a joke of it at the time. But I'm sure in Manchester they do have some sunshine now and then talking of rain and uh, California. Sorry, I'm just drinking my coffee. Let's put that down. There we are. Uh, yeah, talking of rain and California, I went to California in 75 and it did, it rained, which was quite amazing, apparently. The locals were saying, oh, this is amazing. But the rain was warm. I stood out in it because I thought, this is fantastic. The rain, it was like being in the shower. Um, I had my trunks on at the time because it had been a beautiful day and it just clouded over and started raining. Trunks, do you know what trunks are around the world? Because I know I've got listeners all over the place, New Zealand. Oh, um... Where was it? Uh, Mexico. Yes, uh, someone from Mexico and Luigi from Italy. So excellent. Yes, yeah, so trunks, they're, they're swimming trunks. I heard, what was it? I was watching Death in Paradise the other day. Do you, do you watch that? Anyone watch Death in Paradise? I quite like that. And they had a very, very small pair of swimming trunks on there and they called them budgie smugglers. Do you know, I've never heard that term before? Budgie smugglers. I had to find out what it was all about, which I did but we're not going there. So that, that's what these trunks were, swimming trunks. I had these trunks on. I was in the garden of the people we were staying with and it just started raining and it was like a shower, uh, you know, like standing in the shower. It was warm. It was lovely. All I needed was some shampoo and some soap and I could have had a wash. Hello, Nicola from, where are you from? Oh, it doesn't say. Hello, Nicola. Um, Nicola's got three kids. Excellent. And she says, they're all at school at the moment. I wonder where you are, Nicola, somewhere in the world. She says, yeah, uh, in the UK, the schools are closed. Yes, they are at the moment. That's right. Uh, she says, from the news that she's seen, 
not everyone has a, a computer or a laptop or an iPad. And she says, even worse, not every house has got broadband internet connection. That is right, Nicola. Not every house has. I mean, some people just can't afford it. And she says, surely, it's a shame I don't know where she's from. Oh, what's? Uh, I'll check the email address in a minute. Uh, she says, surely, things like water, gas and electricity, right, they are the, the three things that every house or flat needs. Water, gas and electricity. Yeah, that's fine. Unless you live out in the sticks, of course, Nicola, then you might have no gas. But anyway, that, I, I get your, your point. I see what you mean. She says, really, it should be four things, water, gas, electricity and broadband. You're quite right, Nicola. I do agree. It should be the four services, not just three. There should be four that are equally as important as each other. And she's saying, you know, what, what do the kids do at home that haven't got uh, the connection? Well, they've been using fo- mobile phones, but of course the data... It's costing them a fortune on the data. And if the parents can't afford it, which a lot can't, then they can't use their phone. So they're not on the internet, basically. They're not on the internet. I mean, a lot of kids don't have a mobile phone even. So they don't have that. They don't have anything. And she says, really, the the UK should roll out. Yes, I know they should roll out. I think they are rolling out broadband to kind of every property in the country. But it's not happened as yet, Nicola. But good point. Yeah, very good point. I mean, imagine now the people listening to this. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got your phone or whatever, your broadband at home. Imagine being cut off from the internet. No emails, nothing at all. No looking up stuff on the internet, no WhatsApp, nothing. Imagine that. I mean, when the our broadband provider is very good, actually, very, very rarely goes down, hardly ever have a problem. But if it has gone down in the past for, say, half an hour, I feel lost. God, goodness me, I can't check my emails. I mean, I've got my phone, so I can do that with the, um, you know, via the, the phone system. But on my PC or my, my iPad, I've just cut off. It, it really is, it's like having a, a power cut. Your electricity's gone. What are we going to do? We've got no light. <laughs> so, yes, you're quite right, Nicola. It should be the four services, gas, water, electricity and broadband. It's quite scary how... The internet has changed the world. Do you know, it was only, when was it I first went on the internet? I first got a PC, I think just over 20 years ago. And I remember trying to find my way around the internet. I had a slow dial-up connection. Do you remember all that? And do you know, that's only just over 20 years ago. And I remember a lot of people, a lot of my friends, they weren't on the internet. They were asking me about, what's it like? You know, what's this internet thing all about? Of course, it's just grown, well, like to spread like fire hasn't it since then but hasn't it changed the world do you think it's changed it for the better i think it's changed it for the better in a lot of ways but in other ways it's it's made it really bad obviously we can't do without it now i mean all businesses just about every business has got a website you know if you're in business if you haven't got a website well then you're no one you've got to have a website you've got to have a presence on the net and all this Things have certainly, just just in 20 years, I mean, electricity's been around, what, for getting on for a couple of hundred years. Uh, That's nothing new. Television has been around since, what, early 50s? Radio's been around for well over 100 years. But the internet, as I say, just over 20 years ago, quite amazing. And, And the way it's changed everything, even the weather forecast now, I'll just say, Alexa, temperature. At the moment... It's 5 degrees Celsius.
Today, you can expect a high of 10 degrees. There we are. <laughs> I don't even bother now to go and look at the thermometer outside. Just ask the uh, the woman on there. <laughs> well, she's not a woman, is she? But, uh, you know, I, I sometimes I forget what the date is. I'll just ask, what's the date? Or even what day it is. So it, it's just incredible how the internet has changed everything worldwide. It's made the world so much smaller, hasn't it? We've got relations in Australia. Uh, my son lives in America. We just have a chat couple of times a week you're on video these video chat things signal and um, whatever it is just have a chat on there it's great whereas in the old days uh go back to the 60s you wanted to phone america from the uk you're talking about sort of five pounds a minute uh, and australia places like that out of the question you know, hello how are you okay yep yeah, fine okay nice to hear you bye that's it there's five quid gone <laughs> So, it's, yes, the internet has done a lot of good, as well as a lot of bad, unfortunately. Email from Simon. Hello, Simon. He says he's in his shed, his man shed. Well, that's good. You've got to have a man shed, Simon. But, of course, you've got to have a garden to have a man shed. Now, he says a lot of people don't have hobbies. This is why they find the lockdown difficult. You're quite right, Simon. I've got my amateur radio hobby. I'm always tuning around shortwave or chatting to someone. I was chatting to someone the other day in France and you know, we just had a good old natter for about 15 minutes. I also chat to people locally and it's a 24-hour-a-day thing. You know, There's always someone somewhere in the world to have a chat to. But as Simon says, a lot of people don't have hobbies and this is why they're bored. Yeah, I do agree. I, I know several people that just don't know what to do. Uh, they just haven't got a clue what to do, how to spend their day. You know, they're retired. And they just sort of mooch around, <laughs> especially in the winter and especially if they haven't got a garden. And then, of course, lockdown as well. And they are just completely bored. Uh, I heard a chap recently saying he watches, you know, talking of game shows earlier, quiz shows and things. He watches game shows and that all day, every day. Imagine watching the TV all day, every day. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do that. I used to go fishing in my teens, early 20s. I used to go course fishing in the local river, local gravel pit. There's an email coming in. Wonder what that's about. Hopefully another podcast listener. That's, uh, I'll have a look in a minute. Um, yes, I used to go fishing. What I didn't like was catching the fish. I didn't like it at all. You catch the fish and, oh dear, and it would wiggle about and you've got to get the hook out. I mean, that was a good hobby uh, if, you don't, <laughs> if you don't mind the fish. I caught an eel once in, uh, where was it, the River Arran, near Arundel it was, I caught an eel. And I didn't know it was wiggling like a big snake. I did eventually get it off the hook. Well, actually, a chap came along and helped me, some other fisherman. And I thought, that's it, I'm not fishing anymore. I didn't like it. This eel was wiggling. And as I sort of held his head or his neck or whatever, do they have necks? Well, you know, the bit below his head. His rest of his body was wrapping around my arm and it's all slimy and and he's looking at me with his little eyes. I just didn't like it. I Eventually this chap helped me and I put him back in the water and I packed up. That was it. Got rid of the fishing gear and that was it. But of course, you can't go fishing. Another friend of mine, his hobby is fishing and he does these model boat things, you know, radio control boats. He goes to some nearby lake. All that stopped. He can't do any of that anymore. He's an amateur radio chap, so he can at least do that. But if you've got no hobby at all, it, it must be dreadful. Now, email here from Mel. 
Is that, are you male or female? Mel, can I ask you that? I mean, it might be Melanie, it might be Melvin. I don't know, M-E-L. Anyway, Mel, we won't go into gender stuff. <laughs> I'll end up getting arrested. Mel says he moved to this town, wherever he is, about a year ago, sadly split up with his girlfriend, and he's not had a chance to meet anyone because of lockdown and all the, the COVID business. You know, half the pubs, well, all the pubs are shut, he says here. Half the shops are closed. He's not had a chance to get out and meet anyone. And he's wondering about dating sites. Well, don't ask me, Mel. I've, I've never been on a dating site. I mean, loads of them advertise on the telly, don't they? I suppose if you go to a, a sort of well-known one that advertises on the telly, that should be okay. But I wouldn't, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't like to say. So anyway, what Mel is going to do, he says he's going to give, give it a try. And Well, if you do, Mel, if you're male or female, I don't know, let me know. Uh, oh, by the way, the email just now was uh, a scam thing. You see another one. You get these, don't you? You know, I, I live in somewhere in Africa. I've got, what was it, $3 million in the bank. Can you give me your bank account details so I can put money? No, no, no. No, I don't want $3 million. Well, I do, but not $3 million that doesn't exist and that would empty my bank account in the process. So, Mel, yeah, I don't know. Give it a try and let me know how you get on. That would be interesting. And that has reminded me, a friend of mine back in the early 70s, it might, yes, before I went to America, that was 75, early 70s, he set up a dating agency <laughs> from home, you know, like from his bedroom. Um, obviously no internet, mobile phones, nothing like that. What he did was he had these cards printed and a, a form printed that you could fill in, uh, you know, male, female, age, interests all this sort of thing and he'd go around pubs and clubs and he'd say oh you know you'd see a girl on her own you might be interested in this and he'd give her his card and you know some of them started to fill out things and send it to his address and they put their phone number and everything like that and he had I don't know how many on his books as he used to call it but he did have quite a few people I don't think it was a hundred but uh, quite a few people on his books and none of it really worked. Uh, you know, one or two people did meet up, but uh, he told me that it never worked out. <laughs> I don't know why, not quite sure. But he actually met a lot of women through his own dating agency. I mean, is that legal? I suppose it is. I don't know. I mean, going back to the, what, early 70s, uh, I, I suppose anything like that was, was legal, wasn't it? You know, there were no laws about it. And he, always, he was always out with different women. And some of them were very attractive. You know, they'd joined his dating agency, which he ran from his bedroom at home. He lived in his parents' house. Um, he was only, what, early 20s, same as me. And he'd meet these women. I think he also advertised in the local paper. Yes, I just remember that. He did advertise in the local paper as well. But uh, he'd phone these women and say, oh, you know, it's so-and-so from the agency, need to talk to you. Uh, you know, about meeting up with people. And, you know, they'd say, well, have you found me someone? No, 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 but let's meet up for a drink. And, of course, he'd end up going out with them, with the people that were actually on his books. They'd meet him in a pub somewhere for a drink. And he went out with quite a few of them. He ran it for several years, I believe. But, of course, it gave other people, I remember other friends of mine saying, oh, I'm going to do that. No one ever did. It's like someone writes a book, isn't it? Someone writes a book, everyone else says, Oh, I'm going to write a book. They say there's a book in everyone. 
for I think about what 0.001% of people actually write the book, probably less than that. But there we are. So <laughs> if you're bored and you haven't got a garden and you're stuck at home in a flat or whatever, start up a dating agency online. No, no, you better not. I would imagine these days you have to have uh, some sort of license or something or be registered. I don't know. Uh, yeah, because it would be a bit dodgy otherwise, wouldn't it? A chap I knew many years ago, he's quite a bit older than me. He'd had two or three really bad relationships. And I think he'd been divorced twice. So, you know, he'd been through it all. He, he knew all about relationships, good and bad. And he set up a, a sort of marriage guidance thing. I don't suppose he called it a thing. Marriage guidance, I don't know, what is it, agency or whatever. Thing will do. And you didn't need to be licensed or anything like that way back then. He said to me his qualifications, it was life, experience. You know, he lived, he'd been divorced twice. Uh, he then had a, a, a good relationship and he had a, a nice office set up in his house and he advertised, you know, marital guidance sort of thing. And he did quite well out of it. Obviously, he charged people and he did help. He said to me, he helped a lot of people. In fact, I knew one couple, I didn't tell him. I knew one couple that had been to see him. And they said, uh, they didn't know I knew him, but they said, oh, that he really helped. Uh, the chap, not the, the girl, but the chap said to me that he really helped them. And their marriage was back on course again. And it, it had been destined to end, which would have been a shame. I've just made myself another cup of coffee. I think people working from home, especially these days, I don't mean setting up <laughs> dating agencies and marriage guidance things, but uh, working from home these days is becoming more and more popular, isn't it? Whether you work for a company and you're just working at home for them or working at home for yourself, it, uh, it is becoming more popular. Of course, it cuts out all the travelling, all the cars on the road. I mean, imagine if a lot of people work from home, say half the people, it would cut down the cars on the road, wouldn't it? Every morning and every afternoon when they're coming home from work, trains, buses, There'd be a lot less people using them, which would ease up everything, wouldn't it? So, yeah, working from home. The thing is, if you want to set up a business, uh, I know a, a chap locally, he, he set up various things from home and none of them have really worked. One of them was a, a sort of handyman thing that, uh, yeah, he got a few jobs. He advertised locally and he got a few jobs. Of course, when he was out doing his jobs, there was the answer phone at home. No one could actually get because he lived alone. Then he tried, what was it, some other courier service? That didn't really work. If you can get a, a good idea and make it work from home, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? I think a lot of people must dream about that. The whole concept of working from home, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant. OK, Reg, Northern England, he says here. doesn't say where, North, North England, sorry. Uh, is CB Radio still going? Well, funny you should say that, Reg. In my workshop... Yeah, well, I've got all my amateur radio gear and everything. I have got a CB radio and I leave it switched on all the time I'm in the workshop. And there are quite a few people on it. Uh, funnily enough, chatting, local people, sometimes people further afield when the conditions are right. And I've noticed, I mean, I had had the radio on for years. You know, it just comes on when I turn the power on in the workshop. But I've noticed over the last few months, especially, uh, well, I suppose since last March, more and more people on CB. There are a lot of people on there now chatting away. You know, they're at home again, lockdown. And also, I don't know whether you've heard of 446, have you the sort of PMR 
was it private mobile radio? You know, these you see the children in the street, what you used to. <laughs> They're all, all at home now with these little walkie-talkies. Uh, that's PMR446, the UHF radios. It's not CB, but there's a lot of kids. I, I use that as well for chatting locally. A lot of children on there, as well as business. It's for businesses, shops and, and whatever. Of course, it's gone quiet on the business front. You know, restaurants, uh, you hear people on there sort of ordering, oh, you know, can we have another ham, egg and chips or whatever? <laughs> um, pubs, all sorts of offices. And of course, children. There's a lot of children on there. And I use that quite a well, most days, in fact. A friend of mine lives half a mile away. We have a quick chat on the PMR446. So, yes, Reg, um, CB is still going strong, certainly down here on the West Sussex coast anyway. I've just had my lunch and got back to find an email from Edward. Hello, Edward. Edward says he and his wife are retired. They both listen to the podcasts every Sunday. And he's emailing about last Sunday's about the lockdown and neighbours living alone. They moved into their place a year ago, haven't met the neighbours yet, basically because of lockdown. But he said next door to them is an elderly lady who lives on her own. And the podcast episode gave them an idea. So his wife went round, knocked on the door, introduced, said, oh, hello, we're next door. The lady said, oh, it's lovely to see you. I haven't haven't seen anyone during the lockdown. And this is a classic example. No family, no friends. She's on her own. I think she has her, what was it? She has her shopping delivered. I think there is a, there's a home help that organises her shopping and bits and pieces. They go in to help do housework and things. But she hasn't got any friends or family. So what Edward has done, he uh, went up into the loft and he pulled out this old telephone, pair of telephones, kids' telephones. Quite a long wire between them. It's like an intercom. And he said the grandchildren used to play with these, but of course they've grown up now. So what he's done, he's put one of these telephones in his lounge and one in the old lady's lounge. She opened the window and he passed her this phone, only a thin wire so you can shut the window on it. And they've got, the, <laughs> they've got these kids' telephones. He says they're very colourful and you can press the button and it rings the bell on the other one and then you can have a chat. And he said that his wife and the lady next door they chat for ages. He said in the evenings, she's on this toy telephone, rabbiting away to the lady next door. And apparently, the um, you know, it's made her made her day, the lady next door. She said, what was it? Uh, here we are, I'm just reading it. Uh, it changed her life. That's what she said. It's changed her life. So there we are, a pair of toy kids' telephones. Just stick one in her lounge, stick one <laughs> in his lounge, and they can have a chat. And of course, if ever she needs anything, she's stuck. She just presses a button and the phone rings and uh, either Edward or his wife on the other end to help out. So that's great. Yeah, thanks for that, Edward. Really timely email. Just as I was having my lunch and thinking about the next part of the podcast, there we are. Thank you, Edward. I suppose if someone isn't immediately next door, perhaps over the road or down the road somewhere, you could use a pair of these children's walkie-talkies, the PMR 446 radios I was talking about earlier. I know people have landline telephones and a lot of people have got mobiles, but it's something like that. It's, it doesn't cost anything. You know, the toy telephones doesn't cost anything. All you've got to do is replace the batteries now and then. And it doesn't tie up your phone, of course. If you're, you know, if you're chatting to next door, your phone is still free. So that's a great idea. 
Okay, next email is from Pearl. That's a nice name, isn't it? That's the lady's name on um, Last of the Summer Wine, isn't it? Pearl, Howard's wife. <laughs> uh, I've seen all those episodes again and again. It's all the same. The storyline is a little bit different each time, but it's basically Howard running off with Marina and Pearl finding them. And Oh, dear. It's all good fun, though, isn't it? I like Last of the Summer Wine. Pearl has said she lives alone, lost her husband many years ago, lives alone, uh, got a house and a garden, and she said she hasn't got any family, hasn't got any friends, the neighbours keep themselves to themselves. But what she does, her friends, she says, are the animals. In the summer, she's got hedgehogs. She says she's got half a dozen hedgehogs that live in her garden. She's got foxes all year round. She feeds the foxes in the winter. They come up right up to the patio, she's saying, and they sit there and wait. They wait for their breakfast. So that's lovely. Uh, three, yeah, three foxes. Um, oh, two and, and a cub, that's it. She's even had a badger in her garden. I think she must, you must live in the countryside, Pearl, from what you're saying. Mind you, no foxes are in the town, but badgers. Yes, you've seen one badger and a whole host, as she puts, of birds. Yeah, you must be in the countryside. The only birds we get here are seagulls. Uh, we did have a pair of jays, which was nice. But we get magpies, um, sparrows, of course. I saw a blackbird yesterday. Not many. It's a shame, not many blackbirds. Used to be so many in the gardens. Mind you, with all the pesticides and all the the land now concreted over. I won't go into all that, but uh, all the woodland's gone, isn't it? So that's great, Pearl. You feed the foxes and they wait for their breakfast. We've got three squirrels and they wait for their breakfast. They sit, uh, we've got a table on the patio we've got a roof over the patio and there's a table where we sit and have breakfast in the summer and there's three squirrels that sit on that table their little hands on their chests and they're looking up at the kitchen window and as soon as they see one of us their heads look up and they're sort of bobbing from side to side and you can almost read what they're thinking where are you it's late where's breakfast come on what sort of hotel is this it's getting a bit late for breakfast and they're quite tame now. They've got used to us over the years. Take the peanuts out, you know, the monkey nuts. We put them on top of the old barbecue, a brick barbecue, uh, so they know where the food's going to be every day. And they go rushing over there, eat all the nuts. Oh, it's great. Yeah, the birds, unfortunately, we've got seagulls and magpies and pigeons. Um, any food we put out, they just wreck the whole lot. Any bread, I throw bread onto the lawn. There's sort of a mass scrum of all these big birds. And we've got a little robin. He'll sit on the side looking and, and thinking, oh, well, <laughs> I don't stand a chance. I just wait till the larger birds have gone, then feed the smaller ones. Right, the next email is from Sally. This is interesting. Uh, a bit off top. Now, I mustn't say off topic. I do, I do hate that expression. Why did I say off topic? Sally just bought a, an antique clock somewhere online. Doesn't say where from. Uh, she said uh, 1930s or 40s. Bakelite, you know the small Bakelite clocks, they were green, weren't they, or ivory or brown or black Bakelite. And she said it turned up, uh, the chap had put um, that it was perfect working order, excellent condition. Turned up, big crack down the side of it on the Bakelite. So she contacted him and she told him about this and he said, oh no, um, you know, it was perfect when it left here. Oh, what a shame, I'll get on to the courier and I'm going to claim on the insurance. She, she just thought, oh well, you know, I'll get my refund. Uh, send it back to him or whatever and she was looking at it and she noticed that there were traces of glue 
uh, just inside. She opened the Bakelite crack up a little bit and there's little traces of glue in there. It had obviously been cleaned on the outside. So she took the back off. She said only two or three screws, took the back off and inside you could see all the glue. So this wasn't a new, you know, a fresh crack in the Bakelite. This had obviously happened some time ago. What he was obviously doing was some sort of scam. Send it to someone, sell it to someone. It turns up cracked. He claims the insurance from the courier. Anyway, the courier contacted her. I've had this in the past where something's turned up broken. Was it packed correctly? She had to fill out this thing. Was it packed correctly? Blah, blah, blah. And she said, yes, it was packed correctly, but there's no fresh damage on it. There's a crack that's obviously old because it's been glued, but there's no new damage, nothing damaged in the post. And apparently the courier form, it's, I mean, I have filled these out before. It says we won't tell you know, the other person what you've said. Anyway, this chap eventually contacted her and uh, he said, oh, in his email, he said, they won't pay out insurance. I don't know why it was cracked in the post. Anyway, she got to keep the clock for nothing. <laughs> and uh, as she says, uh, she doubts that he'll try that one on again. I don't know. I don't know. He might do. But uh, what a con that is, isn't it? Send something through the post or the courier. Make out it was perfect. It turns up cracked and it's an old crack. She said it looked years old. Actually, Sally, that's just reminded me of something. Years ago, I knew this chap. He wanted a new kitchen ceiling. He lived in a very old house and the kitchen ceiling was dreadful. It was the old lath and plaster, you know. So he went upstairs. The bathroom was above the kitchen. He went upstairs, lifted one of the floorboards near the basin or wherever it was, where there's the pipes, poured a load of water onto the kitchen ceiling from above. Uh, he said it was quite a lot of water. I didn't see it myself. He was telling me about this. And, of course, it all came through the kitchen and part of the ceiling came down with the water and he claimed on the insurance company and they sent a chap round. He wasn't expecting that. He got a quote from some builder. Anyway, this chap came round and said, uh, you know, just come uh, to us. Was it the assessor or the loss adjuster or whatever they're called? Assessor or something. And this chap had a look at the ceiling and he said, all right, OK, yeah, water damage. I'll go upstairs, look at the bathroom. This chap uh, said, yeah, this friend of mine, he said, oh, you know, we've had the leak fixed. That, that's all done. The bathroom's OK now. And this chap said, right, just have a look. Anyway, this chap saw that one of the floorboards had a couple of screws in it. He went back to his car, came back with a screwdriver. He said, I've got to inspect the plumbing. And he looked and he said, well, all this plumbing's old. Where was the leak? And he's looking around at all the pipes. You know, which pipes, what was leaking? Was it a tap? Well, what leak? And this friend of mine said, yeah, uh, oh, the, the basin overflowed. And the chap said, well, the basin's over there and the leak was in the kitchen ceiling here. Anyway, basically, the insurance man, he didn't believe him and they wouldn't cover it. So this friend of mine had ruined the kitchen ceiling, which had to be done anyway, and he ended up having to pay for it himself. And the insurance company, uh, when the, you know, the premium was due, they cut him off. They said, to him, no, we're not going to renew it. They didn't want to know. Right, I've left this one till last. <laughs> this is from uh, Bryony. Hello, Bryony. Oh, UK, by the look of the email address. Hello, Bryony. Now, Bryony says... <laughs> Uh, she had a bit of trouble with her washing. She did her washing. She, <laughs> I don't know whether I can read this one out, Brani. She says she washed all her underwear. 
put it in the tumble dryer, just her underwear on its own, and something went wrong with the tumble dryer. It got too hot and all her knickers were scorched. <laughs> I don't know. What is this relevant? I suppose it is relevant. Hang on, yes, because I've read this, so I'll read on a bit more. It is relevant to lockdown. So she didn't have any underwear. A lot of the shops were closed. She didn't want to order anything online. She wanted to get the right size, if I can put it that way. Uh, she wanted to have a look here you know, before she bought it or bought them. She was having to buy, you know, replace the whole lot. So she went to a local place, a local shop that was open. And she was just about to go in there when a policeman was walking by. And he said, uh, you know, should you be out? Is it uh, necessary you know, because of the lockdown thing? She said, yes, it is necessary. And he said, well, may I ask what it is you're doing? You know, where do you live? And she told him. And he said, well, you've come into town. That's a, quite a distance. You've come into town. She said, yeah, I need to get into this shop. This is the only shop I want to go into. And he was, he was persistent. He would say, well, what's so urgent? And she said, I need some clothes. And he said, well, is that urgent? And she said he was a lovely man, you know, no problem or anything. But he was going on and on about this, you know, are you sure it's urgent? And she said, yes. In the end, she said, knickers. And he, he said, I beg your pardon. <laughs> and um, she said, I, I need knickers. And she explained. She said, I haven't got any knickers. They all burnt in the tumble dryer. And he jokingly said, are you wearing any now? And she said, no, I haven't got any. <laughs> anyway, he, uh, it, was all, uh, it was all good fun. He laughed. And uh, she doesn't say whether she actually was wearing any or not. <laughs> but there we are. She went in. Thanks for that. Yes, that's a, a good email. She went in and bought uh, a dozen pairs of knickers. So that's it. I hope the tumble dryer's safe. Bryony, you've got to be careful with tumble dryers. A lot of fires have been caused, haven't they, by tumble dryers? Don't ever go out of the house and leave the tumble dryer running. And it's best not to leave it on at night while you're asleep. Because uh, they do, I don't know why, what it is with tumble dryers. They seem to catch fire. So there we are. That's uh, an email about Brian's knickers. Just going back to insurance companies. Uh, you know, automatic washing machine with the two inlet hoses. The hot and cold lady I knew. She went away on holiday to Spain this is years ago to Spain for a week or two or whatever when she got back one of these inlet hoses had burst and flooded the entire ground floor of the house imagine I, she didn't know which day it burst but it must have been water running flat out from this burst pipe uh, for days and days possibly a week maybe even two weeks while she was away the back garden uh, what happened was she said an air brick uh, the water flooded out of this air brick eventually into the back garden. It filled up everything under the floor. You know, if you lift up a floorboard, you can see, we well, basically see the mud, can't you? The earth, uh, about 18 inches down. It filled up that and it all flooded out of an air brick at the back and flooded the back garden. Neighbours didn't notice it because there's hedges and everything. And everything was absolutely ruined. And she said, all because of this washing machine hose. The insurance company did cover that. They paid for the whole lot to be done. And as she said, even the new hose for the washing machine, she claimed for that. When you go away on holiday, don't leave the tumble dryer on, certainly, but switch off the water. Just turn the water off at the mains. You don't need water while you're away. Uh, if it's summertime, turn the gas off. Um, I used to do that, you know, in the summer before we went away. We don't go away now, of course. But I just turn the gas off just in case there was a problem. 
and uh, in the old days, of course, turn the electricity off as well. You can't do that these days. There are so many devices that have to stay online and everything. But uh, imagine that water flowing all the time she was away in Spain, having a lovely holiday, gets back and finds the house is flooded and the garden. That's dreadful. I have several more emails here, but uh, I don't think I'll go through them all now. I'll save them for next time because it's, it's going to get a bit boring for everyone otherwise. Not that your emails are boring uh, by any means. It's just that there are so many to get through, and I suppose I've waffled between each email, going on about other things. <laughs> Perhaps I shouldn't do that. Uh, yes, talking of emails, raiserants at protonmail.com. Raiserants, or one word, R-A-Y-S, R-A-N-T-S, raiserants at protonmail.com. Dot com proton that is protonmail.com i'd love to hear from you um as i always say whether you just want to email me and say it's rubbish <laughs> and what was that chap who was it earlier said um oh we said all your podcast episodes are boring that's right but when's the next one coming out okay well i hope you haven't been too bored the next one's coming out next sunday uh, that was funny yeah that was funny okay thanks for listening yeah please email me i'd love to hear from you and i can perhaps read your email out if it's an interesting one, or even if, it, even if it's a boring one. Right, take care, summer's coming. Oh, the evenings are getting lighter. Evenings are getting lighter already. It's actually noticeable now, which is good. Take care, see you next Sunday. Bye-bye for now.